Welcome to Passports and Postcards, where we discuss everything travel, from cultural inspirations to exciting destinations and everything in between. With your host, Randall McKeown. Welcome okay. to Passports and Postcards. I'd like to welcome to the show today, Stephanie Mojica. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Stephanie is a consultant that works with business professionals and shows them why having a book makes them stand out and shows their expertise. Drawing on her 17-year tenure as an award-winning journalist with publications such as USA Today and Philadelphia Inquirer, here is Stephanie Mahika. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Randall. Great to be here today. Stephanie, you describe yourself as a free spirit and adventurer. Can you tell us a bit more about that? So, yeah, I mean, when I was growing up, my grandmother on my mom's side of family, she's now deceased, unfortunately, was what we called a gypsy. And I know nowadays that's considered pejorative, but really she was like a nomad. She would pack up and move. She would travel. We were originally from Virginia, but had a lot of ties to California. Um, She would travel to Mexico, North Carolina, things like that. And so I always just kind of grew up thinking that I would travel one day, but then I got really into my journalism career and there was little time or money to travel except maybe to the next state. So when I realized I was going to be 40, this is when I, this was, I guess about two and a half years ago after my dog died, I I had quit working at the last newspaper because the industry had changed. You know how news is now. It was like low pay, people were getting downsized. I loved the work and also hated it. It was like a love-hate relationship. And my dog died and I was in Lexington, Kentucky at the time. I was in a relationship that wasn't satisfying anymore, although to this day we're still close friends. And I was like, I'm going to be 40 years old. And I had been reading things about people being digital nomads, which for those who don't know the term, what that means is people who can work from anywhere. So I was doing work online long before the pandemic. Even while I was working for newspapers, I always had side hustles, as it's called, editing, writing, coaching, et cetera, because the pay was dismal. And also I enjoyed it. So I already had some irons in the fire online. And I was also really good at teaching English as a foreign language. So I started teaching English online in the morning and at night because I wanted to save money to travel. But I didn't have the energy or interest in going from one country to another. You know how some folks go to Europe and they try to go to five countries in 21 days. All my research had showed me that actually long-term travel was about as economical as living in one place. So I'll explain a little more what that means. So I was living in Kentucky and I was paying, I think like $4.50 a month to share a house with somebody, which actually is pretty cheap for the United States. I got a good deal. And I was looking on Airbnb, a site I also have a love-hate relationship with. (laughs) And I was seeing in Trinidad, Countries like Trinidad, you could get like an apartment for 500 US a month. Countries like Suriname, you could get one for 300 US a month, etc. And I had taken a class, I also did graduate school um, part time online. 
I'd taken a class on the Caribbean and got really interested in the culture of especially the lesser known countries. And while Suriname is not officially part of the Caribbean, it's attached to South America. It is a CARICOM country. So it's considered part of that world. So what I did was I decided I was going to go to Boston and Canada just because I want to spend some more time there and did that short-term thing for a few weeks. Then go spend three months in Trinidad. Then go spend three months in Suriname and then go to Brazil to teach English. But along the way, my plans changed. <laughs> so how did they change? Well... I got to Suriname and they were having the Brazilian forest fires. This is like in the summer of 2019 where I was going to go. And I had asthma as a child and I really didn't want to be around these fires. And even though I desperately wanted to go to Brazil more than anything in the world at that time, something besides the fires just told me not to go. And I am not a religious person, I, I'm very spiritual. I believe in multiple things, multiple religions. And nobody I, in my life could believe that when I said I wasn't going to Brazil, because that is all I had talked about for years. I sometimes took two hours of Portuguese lessons a day because it was that important to me. But something besides the fires is telling me not to go. So I decided to extend my stay in Suriname. And it, I went in and out of the country a few times, went back to Trinidad, went to French Guiana which is another country a lot of folks haven't heard of, then came back to serve right before the pandemic hit. And I was thinking, kind of thinking about going home. Not, I don't really, well, I know why. I was talking to a guy back home at the time, but I was thinking about going <laughs> home. And something told me not to go home. Two days later, the pandemic exploded. And I decided that it was not worth the risk because this was very early in the pandemic to go through a bunch of airports. I didn't know what was going on politically. I didn't know what the heck was going to happen. So I decided to stay down here. So that's a very short convoluted version of a longer, probably even more convoluted story. The pandemic has changed the world for many people. Nobody would think that after a year, we'd still be dealing with this virus. We are, the world is on the push to get the vaccine out to make sure that uh, everybody's vaccinated now again. Mm -hmm. I do see a light at the end of the tunnel, although the tunnel is a very long tunnel, but I do see the light. Well, no, I don't see. Oh, you sorry, don't see light? Ahead. I want to hear. I want to hear what you think about that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm always trying to be careful not to get political, but I will say I don't see the light of the tunnel for Brazil. Things are going very, very badly there. I have a lot of friends there. Just there's a lot of anti-vaccination sentiment going on. There's a lot of, especially in the government, there's that the pandemic's not really that real, and. The government in Suriname seems to be taken pretty seriously, but unfortunately, some of the people here don't want to get vaccinated. There's some information come out of the Netherlands. You know, this is a Dutch country. I mean, it used to be a Dutch colony. There's some information come out of the Netherlands 
that the vaccine is this and that. And I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know what to believe. All I know is that I do see light in a tunnel, but I'm not sure that it's going to be, I'm not sure that the tunnel is going to be short for some of these countries. And yeah, well, I think that's true. I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think other countries like, I would say, um, established countries like Great Britain, uh, mm. USA, Canada, um, some of the European countries, we need to all come together to help support these smaller countries that want help. Now, like you said with Brazil, Brazil is like a, a time bomb, as I, I've heard. I've got friends in Brazil where they are um, basically staying at home. They only go out to get groceries, not even going out to exercise. So why not? No, I can stay here. When it's over, it's over. We can't. And they've been cooped up for like almost over a year. I don't know what it's like in Suriname. I don't know there are restrictions for going out, um, shopping, um, dining, anything like that. Or are you allowed to roam freely or do you have a lockdown there as well? We have a lot of rules here. Actually, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. The rules seem to change at will. I definitely don't want to say anything against anybody's government, especially in the country I'm in. Mm -hmm. But I think there's some, conf of course, they're probably not listening to this. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think there's confusion about what's real and what's not. Good. Suriname has a fairly new government. We elected a new president late last year. With all due respect, sometimes the inexperience of the, the authority shows. I'll give you an example. Friday night, they announced they were going to do a weekend lockdown. We had these last year, where unless you have an, a medical, you're having a medical or police emergency, or you know, or an essential worker like police, etc., yeah. you can't leave your house. If you leave your house, you're risking a hefty fine and arrest. Well, they usually give you a few days' notice for this because people need to prepare. Yeah. Suriname is a developing country. Some folks would say third world. And it's a cash economy, very largely. There are people, especially drivers, that make their money on, you know, day in, day out. They have to go buy their food daily. Mm -hmm. And this is a challenge when it's like, oh, you're going to be locked down. So Friday night, they said, you're going to be locked down all weekend. They were given about 18 hours notice. People freaked out. I was freaking out a little bit. I don't tend to. Because with the pandemic, I choose to be very careful who I have drive me around. Mm -hmm. Some of the drivers are not following the law and they're not wearing their masks. So I have friends and I have trusted drivers I know are doing the precautions. So I was in a bit of a panic. And my landlord was like, well, they'll allow food delivery. Don't panic. So, so everybody was on Facebook, TikTok, everywhere, freaking out. Mm -hmm. The... the the next morning, they changed their mind about the weekend <laughs> lockdown and said that they would have it this weekend. Um, they say one day that you can have indoor dining as long as they're six feet apart. The next day, they say you can't. They banned outdoor dining for months. Now that's allowed again. The numbers go up and down. They seem to be very tied to holidays. This is a very diverse country religiously. That's one of the things I like about it. Um, there's a lot of Christians and Hindus, but there's also people of other religions, Muslims, Jews, 
African religions, indigenous religions. So there's a lot of holidays in Suriname. And, you know, there was one recently, Pagwa, it's a Hindu holiday, very big deal. Easter is actually, when I was in the United States, it was more of a reverence weekend, but in Suriname, it's more of a party weekend. (laughs) And then we have Ramadan, we're in the middle of Ramadan, and we had Passover. There were a lot of unauthorized parties, and our numbers spiked dramatically. So the numbers seem to go up and down depending on the holidays. And I think the government has a lot of challenges because this is not a wealthy country. There have been other countries helping, you know, providing aid so we can get vaccines, but then you have to convince people to take it. So we have a lot of restrictions. We have curfews. In Dutch, it's called avond clock. The curfew had been extended to 11 p.m., but then it got shortened to 6 p.m. So... And I'm not sure the curfews help because it makes the streets more crowded during the day. I hear you there. I know just here in Canada, in my province of Ontario, the city I live in, it's um, right next door to the city of Toronto. We actually border each other. We're on the west side of the city. And we have a high multicultural um, population within the Toronto and the area that I live in. And we've been in lockdown probably the longest in, in North America. Um, our government just, provincial government just announced last week that we'll be in a stay-at-home order until, I think it's the second week of May. Um, the only way you should be going out is if you have medical appointments, if you're mm-hmm. a central worker. They do allow for food pickup or food delivery. But it's been on and off since the pandemic started. And mm-hmm. the biggest thing we're looking at right now is the variants and that how it's affecting younger people. And it's the students mm-hmm. now bringing that virus home to their families. Mm-hmm. Hospitals are overwhelmed. Um, you figure in a country developed like Canada that they wouldn't have that issue, but mm-hmm. we've maxed out on our ICU units and ventilators. And they're trying everything in their power to try to curb the virus. And especially with the, this is what we call the third wave here in Ontario for us. Um, and I don't know what they're learning from, but they keep on changing it. So one day they'll say restaurants can open to, you know, 50% capacity. So they'll give them a, that notice on, say, a Friday saying on Monday you'll be able to do that. So they order all their food and alcohol mm-hmm. and everything. Tuesday comes along and they say, no, no, it's not working out. Um, no, you're only allowed delivery or takeout. So it's really strenuous on businesses. It's strenuous on the workers. There's a lot of businesses just walking away, closing down. I'm sure that's happening in a place such as Sudanam. The thing that we have to think about is most people are law-abiding, but when they have nothing, they have no money, they can't buy food, they're going to turn to crime. And unless the government's there to support them, that's what I'm afraid of in most countries where there's no benefits, at least here in Canada. They have had a benefit for people that are unemployed. Mm-hmm. There's also a supplement that's going to businesses that keep employees on where the government covers a percentage of their wages. Mm-hmm. But they're spending money hand over fist to try to help people out. But we don't have that money in the coffers. So at the end of the day, it's borrowed money and it's going to be a cost on our on our generations to come for three or four generations to follow. Now, 
I don't want to keep this as sort of a, a virus podcast. Right. I'd like to talk about what you love about travel. What do you, when you do travel, what are the things that get you excited other than packing a bag and heading on a destination? Well, that's a great question, Randall. I mean, one of the things that appealed to me about trend ads, they have like a, I mean, the official language is English, so I thought that was a good foreign uh, country to start in. They have like a lot of literature. They have a rich literary history. They have literary festivals. They have some of the best food in the world. They have diverse religions. After growing up in the southern United States, it's important for me to see religions mm. coexisting peacefully. Um you know, so things like that, plus obviously warm weather. I've lived in some places in the U.S. where the weather is freezing, so that's important to me. Relatively low cost of living, you know, I make good money in my business, but I also like to invest in myself. Like, I believe that all coaches should have coaches, so I actually have a coach. Just things like that. I also like about traveling the power that my U.S. dollar has. That probably sounds like a first world elitist thing. I hope it's not intended that way. But the U.S. dollars I earn online go a lot farther in countries like Suriname. I'll give you an example. Right now, one U.S. dollar is 18 Surinamese dollars. So it's a good exchange uh, rate. I, I, and this is where my struggle is. The Surinamese people generally earn local dollars. And before the pandemic, the exchange rate was I would get seven Surinamese dollars for my one U.S. dollar. This exchange rate change, and I'm not going to sit here and say I'm an expert on why these things change, has really upped the prices for the local people. You combine that with reduced employment hours, and some industries have been shut down virtually the whole pandemic, like casinos. You, I, as a former journalist, I almost hesitate to say this without, like, you know, some police officer quoting it. But I will say that from the newspaper reports I see, crime is becoming a problem more so than before. Uh, my friend and I were just a female friend. I was just talking earlier today that she's even kind of getting nervous to drive a car alone at night because there have been carjackings. These things did not used to happen here. Money can basically provide a lot of things, provide shelter, food, mm -hmm. clothing. And without that, parents struggle to look after their children. Uh, I know just in my upbringing, um, it's changed a lot, but in my upbringing, it was the man was supposed to be provider. Mm -hmm. I'm from the, my own thought is that, um, you know, bring women up. They can equal, get equal pay as men do the job. I don't believe women should be forbidden from working. So my mindset's changed, but growing up as a young kid, it was the father went out to work, the mother stayed at home and looked after the house. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> but inflation, cost of things, even buying a house, buying a car, traveling, having food, it requires a double income. Now, as you said, there are benefits about living abroad because things are cheaper. Now, as we talk about travel, do you have anything on your bucket list? Are there places still you want to see <laughs> once travel opens up again? Well, I've accepted that it's going to be years before I get to Brazil. It's just, that was my number one bucket list. 
I'm overweight. I had asthma when I was young. I'm not willing to take the risk to go. If the administration changes and they can get it better under control, but that's still a year and a half away. Uh, other than that, I definitely want to go to Guyana. Again, I will definitely be going with a couple of people. Um, we're going to need to have a male with us. A female (laughs) friend and I usually like to travel. Like we've gone to French Guiana together. Mm -hmm. Uh, we've been discouraged from doing that. Um, especially with me appearing foreign, um, it's just inviting trouble. Worst things happen in carjacking. So, um, yeah. So I would like to go to Guyana. I definitely want to go to Mexico. I have Mexican ancestry, Mexican, Irish, Native American, Scottish, et cetera, melting pot, I guess. I definitely want to go to Mexico. Um, I would like to go to other parts of Canada. Um, I've been to Toronto, Niagara Falls, and Nova Scotia. I really love Nova Scotia. I haven't been for 13 years. I definitely want to return there again. And I would like to go to Vancouver and Montreal. I have not been to Alaska or Hawaii in the United States. Some of my, I've been to most of the continental U.S. Yes. Some of my best friends live in Alaska, and I have a couple of clients that are in Hawaii. One day, I'd like to go to New Zealand. I don't think that'll be anytime soon because they're being pretty, you know, strict. Yes, very strict. And plus, it's very, very long to get there from everywhere in the world. Um, there's just a lot. I still want to go to Europe. There's a lot of places I would like to go. So maybe instead of Brazil, I'll settle for Portugal. Well, yeah, I understand Portugal is a beautiful country. Right. But again, too, you know, there are a lot of places in the world for us that we want to see. And and I, everything you said on your bucket list are places that I would love to see. Mm-hmm. I've been to, well, toured, traveled through 13 countries. Okay. But that's just a start. When we look at how big the world is, there's so much more to see. I know. What are you currently working on, or what do you see for yourself in the future? Well, I definitely want to uh, increase my coaching consulting business. I am actually recently did a mini workshop called Get Your Book Out of Your Head Into Reality. That's actually being created into a mini online course. Uh, I may have the website soon. I'm having somebody work on that. Definitely more travel. Would like to maybe find a partner again. That's another thing that's challenging with the pandemic. Yes. So... Yeah, uh, definitely. I would like to get settled somewhere. I don't feel like I'm settled here because I'm not like a citizen or anything. So I can have a dog again. But I'm also aware that once I get that dog again, that's going to limit my travel ability. Definitely. So not sure what I'm going to do about that. But, you know, I think think once this pandemic passes, there's a lot of things to do. But I think travel is not going to be the same. I think there's going to be a lot more restrictions and unfortunately from everything i'm hearing i haven't been to us for two years but the american passport is not as beautiful to customs officials as it once was i can't tell you how many times i've been through a border point especially on some of these road trips i talk about Mm -hmm. and when they're asking to see your passports the second i pull out my book and they see the united states they wave (laughs) they don't even look at it 
it used to be kind of like a golden ticket. I don't want to sound elitist, but like when people would would see it, they would just wave and not worry. And now I think when people see it, they're like, oh, the virus. But again, I have conversation with people and about travel and they're like, maybe we should start looking at domestic travel, you know, travel within our own country before we start thinking about getting on the big bird or getting on a big ship and traveling somewhere. I think that's a great idea to start off with is, um, as I say, in destinations, if they do domestic. So domestic travel is first, which I I highly recommend for people Mm -hmm. who are comfortable or, as you say, may not may not believe that their passport is welcome in certain countries. Before we go, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to talk about a travel experience, something that you, it could be good or bad, but this is a travel podcast and we should just sort of talk about one of your experiences before we go. Okay, so I think I would talk about one of the worst travel experiences I ever had. So I booked an Airbnb in Trinidad. That was the first foreign country I went to outside the United States or Canada. I had talked to you know, the host through the messaging system. He seemed like a great guy, had great reviews, et cetera, et cetera. Promised to introduce me to all these literary and cultural people. And the place was advertised as right near the airport, near the city. So I get there and, you know, he picked me up, at, et cetera. Everything seemed, I get to the apartment and it's like an hour outside the city Wow. And it said that taxis uh, drive right by the house. He said, yeah, about four kilometers up the road. Wow. And uh, in the heat, oh, my God. And he, it was kind of like he was trying to make me dependent on him, like I would pay him for rides when he was available. And that was a little annoying. But then my third, but the apartment was pretty nice. So my third day there, I wake up and there's marks all over my body. And I'm thinking, what the heck is going on? And so I, I start pulling up the bed and I see these little brown things. And mm. I'm thinking, this is can't be what I think it is. And I look it up online. They were bed bugs. So I, you know, sent him a picture of this and Also, he lived on the property downstairs, which is not something I would want to do again. And he was pretty, like, defensive and angry. I was trying to explain to him that, you know, it doesn't mean you're a bad or dirty person. He had had a bunch of people come in for carnival. And I think that's how it happened. He got angry and denied it and was just just calling me names, etc. So I call Airbnb and I send the pictures I told him about the situation. And then they call him and he's uh, because I wanted a refund or to get, I wanted to be put into another place. Yes. I didn't even tell them anything about any other problems. I just stuck to the bed bugs. Well, I don't know if he was reading my, it had a way to like read my emails or text to people or something. Cause he seemed to know everything else I was upset about and was telling them, no, that's not true. She thinks this is too far. She thinks I'm trying to like make her dependent on me. She doesn't like walking up three flights of winding stairs in the rain and just, you know, she's a liar, blah, 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 blah. And I'm not giving her the money back. 
what I wound up doing was, um, so I got in a nice fight with Airbnb over the phone. Hopefully nobody's going to come sue me over this, but I got a nice fight with Airbnb over the phone. They said, we're not giving your money back. I said, all right, I dropped the, I used to be a newspaper reporter thing. I said, I know USA Today travel journalists and blah, blah, blah. And I have all these pictures and I had, I had recordings of him ranting and raving. I had made some recordings, secret recordings. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, just, and they said, well, if you go to a doctor and a doctor says they're bed bugs, then bed bug bites, then we'll, we'll, we'll refund you. Fortunately, but they said, in the meantime, you're going to have to pay for your next reservation. Thank God I had the money. Yeah. So I wound up getting another Airbnb. And when I was leaving, because basically I called Taxi Gal there, he was just going off. And he kept sending me like all these crazy emails. And I blocked him. That was the apartment that was named after his daughter. And he was saying, which I didn't know, he said I was insulted the daughter, insulted his honor. He said the bites were because I was too fat and, you know, was maybe allergic to cleaning, you know, material or something. And just went on and on was trying to find out the next place I was going to. I was like, you know, he didn't like threaten to hurt me, but it just felt threatening. Yes. And I did go to the doctor. She was like, these are absolutely bed bug bites. She like, you know, wrote the note. Again, this is a good thing that I went to a country where English was spoken because, and she, she did everything I needed. I got some medicine. Still have a few scars because some of the bites are pretty bad. Airbnb gave me my money back. I didn't bother trying to get the 50 US dollars back I needed for the doctor's appointment and medicine. I just wanted to be done with. But that was, and I remember when all this was going on, because like I said, this is my first you know, country outside of US and Canada. I was thinking, what the hell have I done? I want to go home. So, but things did get better and it was just a crazy situation. I, I don't, I still don't understand why he got so, I was really being nice about it. I was like, this is not your fault, but I can't stay in a place like you. <laughs> so it was just a bad start. Well, Stephanie, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. You too. Learning about you and your life, where you're living now travel your travel stories i wish you all the best you you see the tunnel is longer just longer than i do <laughs> i i see the, the light at the end of the tunnel and it, it it depends where you are in the world i guess mm-hmm. so we can just leave it at that is that we both hope that this ends soon so we can all live like we we were taught to live you know be free be able to roam be able to explore so it's been a true pleasure speaking with you today and thank you for being on the show. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Have a great day.